Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier The Cottage on the Moor Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 4 The Treasure In her room upstairs, Astrid was deep in a troubled sleep. The vision of light erupting from beneath the rockfall on the moor had plunged her into unconsciousness, but now she was stirring, and the visions were returning to her. At first, different images and voices flashed across the inside of her head so quickly that she could not discern them from one another. But she could feel them. Anger, resentment, fear and determination all intermingled. But somewhere at the heart of them, all she could feel there was love. In time, she had no sense of quite how long, the onslaught of senses began to subside and she was left with a vision of the moor once again. Though she had spent so little time there since landing with the professor, she had come to fear the craggy landscape and the thousand muddy shades of brown, green and grey of which it comprised. This time the vision was hovering high above the trees, and she could clearly see the expanse of desolate ground. At the heart was the hill where the time machine had landed, masked by a small copse of trees. The hill stretched out as a divider between the valley in which the stone cottage sat, and the dell where she'd found herself when the vision first took hold. Now the image in her mind began to move again, hovering lower to the ground and homing in on the rockfall. No! No, not again! she screamed in thought. But there was no stopping the projection that had overtaken her. She tried to turn her head from side to side to shake it away, but it held all the stronger, getting closer and closer to the rocks. Come to me, came the voice, crawling into her ears so slowly it made her squirm. We are one. We must be one. Ah, I'm so sick of this, a rasping voice shouted over the summons. For a moment, the grip of the force beneath the ground slackened, and the vision shifted to show someone walking through the long, thick, waterlogged grass of the dell. She was dressed in a patchwork of different clothes, her hair braided and a tattoo covering one of her eyes. She was hacking at the overgrown greenery with a long knife, at first it seemed to be born of frustration, but soon it was clear she was looking for something. Me, thought Astrid to herself. They're looking for me. It's not here. How many times do we have to look? The woman seethed, and the vision shifted to show half a dozen people nearby. Each was dressed in a similar fashion, and bore the same tattoo on their faces. Each of them was looking for something. We keep looking, till the boss says otherwise. Another of the group replied to their frustrated companion. He was stabbing at the earth near the top of the hill with a long staff, testing the ground. Treasure! The woman spat with true resentment. There's nothing out here. The whole place is just a waste of... Keep looking! Commanded the man with the staff. Treasure? Thought Astrid. What treasure? She could feel their frustration building in her own mind. It filled her head like the scent of fresh flowers. 
They'd been looking for a long time, and though their fruitless labours were trying on their nerves, she could sense that they were getting close. Something deep in her gut was afraid they'd find the treasure, and when they did, all would be lost. Another of the tattooed scavengers came running over the horizon. She approached the man with the staff and said something to him, though this time Astrid could not hear them. The man listened intently to the woman, and then, just for a second, moved his gaze across to the valley to the lonely stone cottage in the distance. A lightning bolt of agony fired through Astrid's mind, and she screamed at the top of her voice, hoping someone would hear her. The man turned back to the messenger, who nodded to confirm the missive she'd been told to relay. He placed two fingers in his mouth and whistled loudly, causing the rest of the scavengers to stop and turn to him. Pack it in, he ordered them. Boss says change your plan. This news was met by the disenchanted scavengers with muttered curses, before they made their way towards the hill. As they trudged away from the dell, an apprehensive sense of relief came to Astrid, as though one deep threat of danger had passed, only to begin another. The vision lifted up into the sky again, and the tattooed figures melted into the landscape. Then there came a glimmer of light in the darkness up on the hill. Astrid knew at once where it had come from. It was the Professor's time machine. She could see it glowing between the trees in the copse. The vision lingered on it before an explosion of light erupted and engulfed Astrid's mind. It was not unlike the gleaming vortex through which the machine travelled between intervals of time, a silver waterfall rushing past on all sides. From within the walls of the tunnel, more images started to form. Astrid could see herself and the Professor plummeting through the waterfall in the time machine. Then, with a flash of light, the machine disappeared and she saw them stood in a church. This had been mere hours before they'd landed on the moor, when they'd become entangled in a plot to rewrite history. Flickers of stately homes and open fields blurred around her. Then, with a flash, they were gone. In their place came visions of palaces and public houses. This was where Astrid had first met the Professor, battling a creature from another world which had haunted Astrid's heart ever since. Another flash, and she was back in the silver waterfall, hurtling in the opposite direction. Palaces became stately homes again, and then more images emerged in quick succession. She saw herself and the Professor stood atop a gigantic wall stretching the length of the horizon. She saw them on a boat lost at sea in the middle of a storm. She saw them silhouetted against a wall of blue fire. But these were lies. They were no memories of hers. Still the visions filled her mind until she saw herself fade from the Professor's side. Another figure took her place taller, and dressed in a fashion not unlike the professor's. But there was no face, only darkness. Astrid could see them standing with the professor before the time machine. Only it looked different, somehow incomplete. She strained to make her mind make the image clearer, but the stranger's visage remained lost to her. And then the vision changed, and the professor was alone again. Alone, and hurting. Prof! Astrid called out. Prof, I'm here! I need you, Prof! Help me! The professor disappeared from Astrid's view, and a thunderous explosion sounded behind her. The projection turned, and ahead, at the end of the time tunnel, was darkness. Darkness like she'd never seen before. It filled her with terror, and the strangulating tightness around her returned, more crushing than before. Don't let it get me! Keep it away from me! 
she gasped. And there in the darkness was the outline of a body, walking through the void of nothingness that slowly engulfed the vortex. It kept going until it was stood before Astrid, who could now see that the phantom was the source of the emptiness. The pitch-black nothingness swallowing the vortex was thundering out of this impossible shade and ripping all around it apart. The harbinger of nothingness, the hole in the world, reached out a hand and grabbed at Astrid's throat. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, The Cottage on the Moor, an unbound theatre production written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson with music by Kevin MacLeod. <laughs> <laughs>